Uh, last week I had mentioned this, that um, I've had a, a simple prayer I've been praying over the course of the last couple of years. And I've uh, just prayed this specifically, prayed it consistently. It's this, Lord, would you please protect and provide for your church? Now, Lord, you are a God, you are a master, you are a maker. We're dependent on you. And would you please provide for your church? We're not our own. This isn't our own little extracurricular activity we have going on on the side. This is your church and we're your people trying to live out your purposes here. Trying to love you and love each other and get the message out. So, Lord, would you please protect and provide for your church? And so in this three-week series, we, we spent some time talking about the idea that God builds his church that God protects us and sustained us. We talked about that last week from Psalm 46. And then this week I want to spend a little time talking about this idea that God provides for us. That God is our provider. And to do this, I want to do something uh, maybe a little bit uh, odd. I want to dive into a uh, maybe a random Old Testament story. I want to go into the book of First Kings today. You guys ready to jump into First Kings? All right. Uh, I want to give you a little context here because I'm not sure when the last time you read through First Kings and studied First Kings was. It had been a while for me. So just to orient you to what's going on in this book of the Old Testament, it starts off talking about King David and King Solomon, right? Two of the most prominent kings in Israel's history. David wrote most of the Psalms in the scriptures. Solomon wrote most of the, wrote the Proverbs. And and so it talks about the two of David's death and Solomon's rise and reign. But then things go south really quickly after that. After Solomon was the king of Israel, there's a king named Jeroboam that that sort of secedes from the nation. Right. Pulls away and, and strips apart part of Israel and leads them into idol worship, which, as you can imagine, God wasn't a real big fan of. And things, they're off to the races after that. Things are not going well. We're going to pick up in some verses in 1 Kings 16 that talk about a king named Omri. Now, Omri was a powerful king in the world sense, but he was uh, morally corrupt. And here's how the writer of 1 Kings describes King Omri. Omri did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He did more evil than all who were before him. Now, there was some evil that had gone on before that. This is a big statement, right? So Omri's the king. He's powerful in the, in the eyes of the world, but morally corrupt. He did evil. Now, Omri passes away and his, king, his son, Ahab, becomes king. And like they say, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Here's, what, here's how the writer of 1 Kings describes Ahab. Ahab, son of Omri, did what was evil in the Lord's sight more than all who were before him. Right, he upped the ante a little bit here. Things are not going well. But wait, there's more. <laughs> See, Ahab found this sweet girl named Jezebel. And uh, we're not going to talk a lot about Jezebel, but he, again, things are just going south. Here's, he, he, I love the way that the, the Bible puts the, this. Then, as if following the sin of Jeroboam were a trivial matter, he married Jezebel. And Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel than all the kings of Israel who were before him. Now, the, the writers of the Bible will often use emphasis, uh, use repetition for emphasis. And so when we get these three lines in the row, they did more evil than all who were before him, more evil than all who were before him, more evil than all who were before him. We, we start to see this is a, a downward spiral and things are not going well. Now, in the midst of all this, 
There's a guy named Elijah that, that comes onto the scene. This is the first time he's mentioned. And he gets the inenviable task of, of basically speaking judgment here against Ahab and Jezebel, against the king and the queen. And he says in, at the beginning of 1 Kings 17, he says there's going to be a drought in the land for three years because of the evil that is going on here. Now, for us today, it's you know, often accepted that sometimes we will critique our leaders. Then, not so much. And, and the decision he made here, while he was doing this with a spiritual confidence, there were earthly consequences. He was speaking with spiritual authority and confidence, but there were earthly consequences to this. And it's interesting to note that when we're listening to God and radically obeying him, it will not always lead to safe and comfortable places. But God will never cease to provide for the things that we need. So, Ahab, or, so Elijah's in a place here where his life is essentially in danger. And in the midst of, of his life being threatened, God, God speaks in and begins to provide for him, provide direction. And here's what, here's what, uh, we're, where we're going to pick up and read through. Uh, 1 Kings 17, verse 3. This is God's word to Elijah. He says, Leave here, turn eastward, hide yourself at the brook Cherith, where it enters the Jordan. You're to drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to provide for you there. Okay. Uh, here's what God is saying to, to Elijah. He says, I'm basically saying, I know your life's in danger here. Hey, head out. Um, I know there's a drought going on, but head out to this brook that is in the wilderness. Okay, it's in the desert. And I'm going to provide for you by ravens. I have some questions if I'm Elijah, but, but Elijah obeys. Listen, so Elijah did what the Lord commanded. He left and lived by the brook Cherith where it enters the Jordan. The ravens kept bringing him bread and meat in the morning. And in the evening, he drank from the brook. First point here. God can provide unexpectedly. God can provide unexpectedly. What are the chances of this ancient Amazon Prime situation working out? Right, that the ravens actually show up and deliver food to him by this brook. What are the chances God can provide unexpectedly? It's that way as we look through the scriptures, and it's that way in our lives often. And let me, let me give you a couple of examples, just practical things from my experience. And I think if we were to poll the audience here, I bet, I bet you, your stories would far exceed mine. But, but there are stories through our lives of where God just shows up and provides unexpectedly. Here's one story. A couple years ago, I had this, um, I was having a lot more meetings in my office and I had this giant U-shaped desk that was taking up half my office. So I decided I was going to try to take apart part of the desk so that I could have more room in the office. The problem was I kind of uh, misunderestimated this project, if you will. There's no taking apart part of this desk. The whole thing came down. I realized at that point that they had actually painted around the desk at some point. So as my stuff's in boxes, I've set up a five foot banquet table I was working off of. And I had no plan for how in the world is this going to kind of come together. In the midst of that, I left for a week away from town. And when I came back, I walked in and and thinking, ah, man, I got to figure out my office here. It was done. My wife had gotten together with some volunteers here and some of our staff, 
and they had done sort of the extreme makeover office edition. Right? They patched walls. They'd repainted over the section of the desk that had been, you know, that had been cut around. Um, it was all done. New desk. Totally unexpected. Let me give you another example. And we shared this a few weeks ago, but it's worth sharing again. Uh, Andy was down at in Florida on vacation about a month ago playing golf. And in the midst of, of his vacation, he got a call from our the vice president of our bank here. And the vice president of the bank went on to say uh, this was totally unexpected, but an anonymous giver came in and just contributed a, a donation to pay off your mortgage. That about three hundred and twenty eight thousand dollars anonymously given. God can provide unexpectedly. And you know, as a result, we are debt free as a church. Isn't that awesome? Well, God can provide unexpectedly. Let's dig back into first Kings here. So. So things are going south. People are, are acting evilly. We've got Elijah on the scene, basically delivering the word of the drought. God has led him off to the brook and is providing for him there. Now, here's where we go next. First Kings 17, 7. After a while, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Makes sense. Uh, then the word of the Lord came to him. Get up, go to Zarephath that belongs to Sidon and stay there. Look, I've commanded a woman who is a widow to provide for you there. Now, let me bring this into English. Here's what here's what God's really saying here. Okay, the brook's dried up. Got it. There's a drought. What I want you to do is go to Sidon, which is 100 miles north through the desert in this drought. Oh, and by the way, you know who's from Sidon? Jezebel. He's saying, I want you to go 100 miles north straight into the enemy's territory and look for this widow here to provide for your needs. You know, this isn't this isn't exactly refuge from the brook in the wilderness. This is from the frying pan into the fire. And yet look at Elijah again. He obeys again. So Elijah got up, went to Zarephath. He arrived at the city gate and there was a widow woman gathering wood. Elijah called to her and said, please bring me a little water and a cup and let me drink. And as she went to get it, he called to her and said, hey, please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. Her response here, she said, as the Lord, your God lives, I don't have anything baked, only a handful of flour in the jar and a bit of oil in the jug. Just now I'm gathering a couple of sticks in order to go prepare it for myself and my son so we can eat it and die. She's saying, I'm on my last meal here, buddy. And if I'm in Eliza's shoes, I'm thinking God must have had a different widow in mind. (laughs) Time to keep looking here, right? But he presses in. He says to her, don't be afraid. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a small loaf from it and bring it out to me. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says. The flour jar will not become empty and the oil jug will not run dry. Now she's got a choice. And she proceeded to do according to the word of Elijah. Then the woman, the woman, Elijah and her household ate for many days. The flour jar did not become empty and the oil jug did not run dry. First, first thing, first observation here, God can provide unexpectedly. Second observation, God often provides through community. Right. There are times when when God unexpectedly 
in unrequested ways, maybe even undeserved ways, provides for our needs. When things show up on our doorstep without explanation. But I'll tell you, in my experience, it more often happens. God's provision more often happens through community. As I participate in in things that, that are happening amongst God's people. And let me give you a, a couple of examples of this. Uh, a couple of few years ago, I had been accepted into a, into a seminary program uh, through Bethel Seminary in Minneapolis. Felt called to do this. Lindsay and I felt called to do it. We had no idea how we were going to pay for it. Right. And as the date came closer and closer to go and when bills were due, uh, we still had no idea. I had qualified for some student loans and we thought maybe that's how God will provide for us. But we were praying to do to do this debt free, but with no idea how that might happen. Uh, kind of at the last minute, we went to some ministry partners of ours that had supported us significantly when we were on staff with Campus Crusade for Christ with a missionary group. So they supported our ministry significantly. We just went to them and said, hey, we shared the story with them, said there's this need that we have. And we just want to ask if you would pray about being a part of providing for this need. We know it's a different deal. There's different tax implications than there were when we were missionaries. But would you just pray over this? So they went off a week later, they came back and they said, we don't want to play the role of God in your life, but we've been praying about this and we just feel like God is calling us to pick up your first year of tuition. About 10 grand. Pretty, pretty amazing. Year two came around and they picked up year two. Year three came around and they picked up year three, year year three. And we were able to graduate three years in with no debt there. God provides unexpectedly, but, but he often provides through community. Let me give you another fun example of this yesterday. Um, cooking is a little bit of a hobby for me. And I've got a favorite fish place in town that I go for to buy fish. It's a little little hole in the wall place in Monroe. And, uh, and I'll go there once, I don't know, a couple times a month. I'll go there just to see what they've got and, and get some stuff. So yesterday in the middle of the afternoon, I kind of on a whim, I said, okay, let's, let's go see what they've got there. So I get up and, and head over there. I pull into the parking lot at the exact same time as another person from the church here. What are the chances of this? Uh, I mean, the, the place is like the size of this part of the stage. It's like it's just tiny place. We happen to walk in at the same time. And by the end of it, he's paid for the fish that I was buying. I, we can't make this stuff up. And he goes, what are you preaching on tomorrow? I said, God provides. So <laughs> you just gave me a sermon illustration. Um, God provides unexpectedly, but he often provides through community. And, and this is uncomfortable for us at times, I think, because we we prefer independence over interdependence. We don't like relying on other people. But I see both in, in the stories in the scripture and even into the early church and into my experience, it just seems like God has a pattern of providing through one another in community. Let me give you an example of this from the, the early church. This is a description in Acts 2 of the church just after Jesus' resurrection, after Pentecost, it describes the early church in this way. All who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need, providing for one another in community. And let me say this this morning. If you want to hear the best sermons that are being preached around the world today, you're just a couple clicks away. I'm not the one delivering them. If you want the best music being created today, 
in the exact style and genre that you prefer best. You're a couple clicks away. But if you're looking for community, I feel like community is best found within the walls of the church. And yes, it's imperfect. And yes, it's messy sometimes. And yes, we're sinful people. But I believe the community is God has designed it to be his best found within his church. And that's not just this walls. That's a matter of doing life with one another here in the church. We have a we, part of our vision. Part of our hope is that we're an environment where no one travels alone. And I believe as we make that choice to press against traveling alone, as we travel in community, God often will provide for our needs. God can provide unexpectedly. He often provides through community. Uh, last big observation, faith-filled action often precedes God's provision. Faith-filled action often precedes God's provision. Elijah had to take a step of faith to believe God and obey to go to the stream. Then another step of faith to go 100 miles north in enemy territory. And another step of faith to ask the widow. And another step of faith to ask again. The widow had to believe Elijah and take a step of faith towards her. Faith-filled action often precedes God's provision. And so let me just quickly here mention four faith-filled actions this morning that you might consider in, in your life bringing this to life. And I'm going to breeze through these somewhat quickly, but four faith-filled actions. One is pursue community. Right? If God often provides for, through community for us, we will be wise to pursue it. You know, without the widow, Elijah's doomed. Without... Elijah, the widow, is doomed. Together, God puts them together and provides for their needs. And I put it this way. If we're in a sailboat out in the water without the sail set, we're only going to go so far. But with the sail set, we, we position ourselves to go when the wind blows. Now, there are a lot of ways to, to pursue community within the church. I'd encourage you this fall to look at joining a life group or a class, uh, maybe serving within a ministry. I know as we walk into the fall, our children's ministry and our student ministry are praying for God to bring people to help them out. And it's often serving together beside one another. We start to build those relationships and friendships, that type of community God will use to provide when needs arise. But pursue community. Another faith-filled action you might think about this morning, to ask courageously. James 4 says, you do not have because you do not ask God. You know, sometimes we just get into operating in our own strength and we need to be willing to have the humility to ask when there are needs that surround us. If Elijah doesn't ask, what happens there? If, if God really is God, if he has created all that's around us, if he is the provider and sustainer of it all, if he knows how to give good gifts to his children... We ought to be people who ask courageously. Third, third idea here, third suggestion, give generously. Give generously. Think about the widow's example here. She gave her last loaf of bread, not knowing where the next would come, but believing God's ability to provide. Or at least believing what Elijah said about God's ability to provide. Interesting side note there. But give generously. This is not about amount, right? It's about heart. It's about the direction that, that we point our, our lives in. And as we give generously, oftentimes God will provide. Good luck out giving God. He's able to provide for your needs. 
Pursue community, ask courageously, give generously. The last thing I'll mention this morning is to thank intentionally. You know, it's easy in a, in a message like this, and even in a story like this, to get caught up in the, the, the physical provision in the th- and in the things that we want or that we need and to forget about the things that we have. And so my encouragement to you this morning is to focus in and think about those things that, that we have, to cultivate a heart of gratefulness. I put an insert in your bulletin this morning that you might take a look at an exercise you might do even this week, starting today, to take a moment and, and each day this week, take a moment at the end of each day to think about three things, three specific things that you're thankful for. And I'm curious to know, if you were to do this every day this week, how that affects your heart of gratitude for all that God has given. Pursue community, ask courageously, give generously, and thank intentionally. You know, we've been talking this morning about, uh, about how you know, God's provision of physical things and stuff, if you will. And that's good and right, because he can and he does and he will and I believe that as we, as we go before him with our needs, he's able to provide for us. But it's also good for us to remember this morning that all the stuff in the world will never satisfy our souls. Right? That some of the most profound desires of our heart have nothing to do with the stuff that are around us. But it's about love and joy. It's about grace and forgiveness. It's about peace. And we know when those things are present and we feel them when they're absent and long for them. You know, especially yesterday, this last week, uh, you may have been, if you're watching the news at all, um, maybe you saw some of the things happening in Charlottesville over the course of the last even 24, 48 hours. And I've just been, I've been troubled as I've been watching some of this by the presence of hatred, by the presence of division, by the absence of love that is there. And just praying for God to provide and bring peace into that environment. Now, I don't know what all the answers are here, and not to sound trite, but I think it starts with Jesus. Look what, what Paul writes in Galatians 3. He says, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. See, this morning, if you catch nothing else, I hope that you'll catch this, that God's greatest provision for us, his greatest provision for humanity was and is and will forever be Jesus Christ. His greatest provision for us is Jesus who unites us who breathes love and joy and peace into our world that's all too often filled with measures of chaos. His greatest provision for us is this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that somehow, through believing in his death and his resurrection, that he gives us right to be known as children of God, that he can sow in a peace that surpasses understanding when we bring our needs and desires to him. God's greatest provision for us is and will forever be Jesus Christ. That provision has been offered and it's waiting to be received. Grace and the peace of God is but a courageous ask away for you this morning. 
We're going to celebrate a time of communion here. And as we do that together, communion is open to everyone who believes in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And this is a moment for us together to affirm that he is enough for us, that he is God's greatest provision for us. And whether you've been uh, believing this for a long time or if this morning's the first moment that you're coming to some realizations and saying, I, I want to believe, I want to receive that gift of grace and forgiveness that is through Christ. This is the moment for you to reflect on that. And whether we're going to take communion all together this morning. So as the bread and the cup come to you, take them and just take a moment to pray. Or if you're in the back, take a moment to pray before you get the bread and the cup as it's being as it's being passed out. But this is a moment for you to take and just to be grateful, to cultivate a grateful heart and to remember God's greatest provision for you. So hold the bread and the cup, and once everyone has been served, we'll take communion together this morning. Would you pray with me? Lord, I'm just grateful uh, this morning. Thanks for the opportunity to open, open up the Bible to, to think about you as our provider. Lord, to ask you to provide in, in various ways, but thank you this morning that regardless of, of where our lives are, what's going on, that we can trust in you that we can place our faith in you because you are trustworthy. Thank you that, that as Paul said, that he's learned to be content in all circumstances. Thank you that that contentedness of heart and spirit is available to us today. And Lord, wherever we are today, I just pray that we would take a step of faith toward you this morning to remember your incredible generosity toward us. Lord, for those of us this morning that have physical needs, that have tangible needs that are needing you to provide, I pray that we would see you provide generously in unexpected ways, maybe through community. Help us to look for your provision in those, to ask courageously, to to give generously, to pursue community. But Lord, help our trust to be rooted uh, not in the gift, but in the giver. And this morning, soften our heart as we come before you, remembering you in your death and resurrection. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.